Step up to a Nordic Track treadmill with iFit. iFit controls speed, incline, and decline, which means the treadmill automatically mimics the changing terrain on the screen or adjusts the speed to the trainer's cues without you having to touch a thing. Explore Nordic Track treadmills at nordictrack.com. Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing and endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. As the number of vaccinations increase and the weather becomes more amenable to outdoor events, road racing is coming back slowly. Sarah and I talked to Running USA CEO Donna Stone a few weeks ago, and today I'm going to talk with two people who have their running souls on the ground, so to speak. Um, I've got two race directors from opposite parts of the country, both geographically and COVID regulation-wise. Um, they have both put on races during the pandemic. So joining me today are, is John Mortimer, uh, the founder of Millennium Running, an events, timing, and retail store in Bedford, New Hampshire. And Millennium Running has produced over 30 events since the beginning of the pandemic, probably closer to 40 now. Right, John? Yeah, we have. We sure have. Yeah. Nice. All right. So John is the father of two boys. Um, and then Karen Lechtenberg is also joining us. Karen is a race director of five events in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. She's also a full-time teacher and a mom of four boys. So her race card is full, uh, so to speak, as well. So welcome, John and Karen. Thanks, you guys, for joining us. So Karen, um, even though people will be able to tell you apart because of the male-female divide. Why don't, why don't you tell me a bit about your events and, um, yeah, just the events that you run out in Sioux Falls? Um, we are in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We have a lot of local small races. I think the most runners we ever have is probably about 500, mostly from runners in South Dakota, Iowa, and some from Minnesota. Um, we just had one last weekend, about 212 runners. And all of our races are done. Um, we collect. We collect. Um, I'm totally stumped. Our money goes towards different nonprofit area, nonprofit organizations here in Sioux Falls. Oh, nice. So you're so so you so you race for with different nonprofits in mind. Yeah. So like this weekend, we did Sioux Falls Humane Society, and okay. um, we collected food, and then we'll cut them a check after all of our expenses are paid. Nice. Nice. All right, John, what about um, your events, your Millennium Running events? Because do you have Millennium Running like signature events? And then do you also put on events for other people? You want to talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. And it's Karen, good to see you all the way from South Dakota. Hopefully the weather is warmer in South Dakota. <laughs> no, it's not. We just it's had a snowstorm. <laughs> you just got blanketed with snow. Well, spring is coming and, and um, you know, we're hoping for warmer weather in New England here in the state of New Hampshire where, where Millennium Running is headquartered. Um, certainly we're winding down winter and hopefully spring uh, figuratively and literally is here soon. And I think I speak for, uh, you know, much of the road race industry when I talk about spring, because spring is like this new beginning, right? It's the new yes. rebirth of, uh, in some ways, the last year of hibernation of running events. Uh, so, you know, I, I figuratively and literally talk about spring and a new birth being really important for the industry. Uh, and, and at Millennium Running, it's the same way. We're, we're seeing people in our local retail store, 
again, in Bedford, New Hampshire, as you said, Dimity, um, coming out. We have more people shopping in our store because they started running during COVID. They sure. started exercising during quarantine. Maybe they were working from home, had a little bit more time. Um, so we're definitely seeing anecdotally more people exercising. Um, it, then again, on our on our road race front, like Karen um, in South Dakota, we, we probably have some slightly different um, economics and and social responsibilities based on our demographics of uh, population density. You know, we don't have the same problems New York City has or Chicago has. Sure. Uh, South Dakota and New Hampshire, we're lucky that we have, uh, you know, a more rural environment. Um, and as such, you know, we don't have some of the problems that that COVID, uh, you know, ravaged part of our country and our uh, larger municipal uh, regions or urban areas. So with that, Millennium's been able to produce, as you mentioned, now 38 events uh, okay. since since June, uh, starting with races that were pretty small. And then ultimately this past weekend, we had, you know, a thousand person St. Oh, Patrick's did. Day themed event. And and we've had many races over a thousand people so far, but they look a little different just for sure. COVID perspectives. But um, but we're excited to be here and talk about some of the changes that our industry has had, and and you know give hope for that new spring that we're getting. Yeah, well, now. yeah, yeah, exactly. A year, a year basically um, of the pandemic, right? So, John, what were your thoughts when the news broke in March of 2020? Like, I mean, again, like your whole you know, your whole livelihood is built on running, right? Running as a lifestyle. Yeah, certainly. I appreciate that question because, you know, going back a year ago, almost a year ago now, thinking about it, the idea of, um, you know, our races being canceled, the NBA, you know, March Madness canceling, the NBA canceling, all these things. I think everybody thought like, oh, you know, by the summer we'll be great. Um, (laughs) and, and, And we had you know, postponed our uh, one of our Irish themed events to be a summer shamrock shuffle. That sounds like a great idea, right? It's a little warmer, you know, beer tastes just as good in, in, you know, maybe you'd have a summer shandy instead of a Guinness. It all sounded like a good idea. Um, And then ultimately, you know, March turned to April, turned to May, turned to next thing you know, July, our Cinco de Mayo race for May was going to be a Julio de Mayo race in July. And, and they're all, they're all, you know, kicked to the curb because it just wasn't, it was, you know, square peg round hole for what was best for our communities and our country and, and our world. Sure. Um, so, you know, I guess to, to answer your question, Dimity, we were thinking, you know, let's just postpone a little bit. And by the fall, by the end of the summer, we'll be great. Um, come a year later, um, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's crazy how, how quickly 12 months went by. It, it is. I have to say that. I do feel like, um, you know, those first, it's almost like, well, it is like Groundhog's Day, right? You get used to it and it goes again and again and it doesn't feel so long. And we have a, a monthly membership program called Many Happy Miles. And I mean, every time the month turns over, I'm like, oh my God, where did February go? Now I'm already like, we're in the middle of March. April's going to be here soon, you know? So it does go quicker now, but it, it dragged a lot. And I mean, when we saw all those races being canceled at the beginning, you know, right when the pandemic hit the world basically i mean that was so hard to wrap your head around in such a sense of loss right i mean did you guys did you hear that in your community karen just the we did people? um 
people kind of lost their like in South Dakota in Sioux Falls like where I am at um, people really lost their kind of will to continue training here there is we had a lot of angry people we had a lot of very upset people Um, we had a lot of people do virtual but then virtual races and virtual events but then my race that I just had was the first spring event here in Sioux Falls and in South Dakota and people were like thank goodness we cannot do another virtual race ever because you just don't have the race atmosphere you don't have the camaraderie you just don't have it and people are just ready to kind of move on yeah yeah that's what we have here are you getting that sense the same thing out in new hampshire is there a little virtual fatigue out there john you know um it depends on who you ask right sure. um and, and as, as we go back to last april may june I've never seen more people walking and running and jogging and biking in my neighborhood. And I think every neighborhood in America had people outside at all different hours. You know, they didn't have to commute anymore because they're working from home or, you know, quarantine or what have you. But um, I, I definitely saw more people entering the the space of and ultimately what we hope is endurance sports, but exercising and moving and caring about their health. Yes. Um, and we saw a huge uptick in virtual um, participants right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Karen said, as, and I would say as the quote unquote self-defined runner, the person that said, I am a runner, um, I think they quickly grew uh, fatigued by the virtual stuff. They're, they're just jonesing for an in-person race to, yep. to, to go against the clock and go against, like they want to race and they want to get after it. However, on the flip side of it, we also continue to have these new people coming into the sport that might be intimidated by the starting line or the clock or the, you know, the, the, the firing of the gun. So we're still seeing people saying, you know what, I'm going to opt to virtual right now because, you know, it's just, it's easier. Sure. Um, so, you know, the hybrid model is what exists in our world right now, where mm-hmm. it's, 25% virtual and 75% in person in our world in, in New Hampshire and the events that we've been fortunate to produce. But it's certainly, um, I wouldn't say all or nothing. I think virtual is going to be here for a long time. It's just yeah. a matter of um, how it fits into into the dichotomy of the event. Yeah, for sure. Well, Karen, um, so when was the first event that you put off or, or pulled off or put on, I guess, one of the two, um, after after March of last year? Um, I had two races in October. I had um, an ultra, a 50K. Um, that looked way different than any other ultra we've put on before. And then um, we had a trick-or-treat trail run, and that was the end of October, so both in October. Okay, and was the trick-or-treat, was that a 5K, or what was that? It was... A 15K, 10K, 5K. Okay. And with that, we just, things look different, way different than they ever had before. Usually there's a band and there's lots of food and just huge five, 600 people. That's a lot here in South Dakota. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, lots of race day registrants, people waiting on the weather. Um, I cut all that off. I, I, I cut registration early. I wanted to cap my numbers because... I didn't know what I, I was scared we were going to have another surge after um, school being back in session and everything else. I was just I was nervous, sure, you know, sure. and the kind of like all the other towns around us were watching to see what would happen. And I didn't want to be a super spreader event. 
Sure, sure. And what about you, John? Did you do the the Cinco de Julio? Did that did that get to <laughs> did that did that happen, or when when did your first event go in New Hampshire? Uh, you know, that's a good question too. I mean, I think much like Karen, I think everybody was concerned about you know you don't want to be um, the super spreader event yes. that is the reason why the why we we have to delay this even more or have more issues about it. Um, we took a little bit of a different approach here in New Hampshire. I got involved in the political scene, uh, connected with our governor, connected with our state's COVID task force. And again, being from a state like New Hampshire, um, where I like to say you're seven degrees away from seven from Kevin Bacon, you know, that game. <laughs> um, but I feel like in our smaller state, you're you're one degree of separation away from everybody. Um, sure. So we were very fortunate to take a leadership role in our task force from a state and our governor and our commissioner uh, of the task force asked me to represent the running industry and our company Millennium Running. So we looked at it a little bit differently and and, and we actually wrote the guidelines for the state of New Hampshire to safely do nice. this where guidelines didn't exist and our neighbors to the South say Massachusetts, um, obviously the Boston Marathon is in the news now right now for their virtual event opening um, what, what they hope is, you know, in October, a, a limited capacity event with 20,000 people. But as it is currently um, running events in the state of Massachusetts, road races, triathlons, walks, anything related to endurance sports is their very final phase, which is back to normal. So right now there hasn't been an event in the state of Massachusetts since last, last March. So they're over a year without producing an events um, because their guidance was whether you're the Boston Marathon with 30,000 people or you're a local community 5K walk uh, with 100 people, you're in the same boat. Huh. Um, and my argument was when we looked at it, that there might be more people at Home Depot on a Saturday morning than at some of the local 5Ks. Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> and, and all six feet apart with a mask on. So if it works at Home Depot, why can't it work at the starting line or registration or any other at Starbucks? It works. Why can't it work here? Yes. And we just had to adapt the guidance to change what a traditional start would look like, what a traditional event would look like. And probably much like Karen, it looks different. It feels different. You have to adapt and remove some of those items. Uh, but in reality, um, our consumers, and I know Karen would, would probably uh, uh, agree with this, when you finally get them to the starting line and to the finish line, um, it's what they needed more than anything. And that was both mm -hmm. for their mental health and their physical health too. Like, so. Absolutely. Way more their mental health than anything else. Just seeing everybody this weekend after our race, um, just the smiles, the excitement, they didn't care how they did. They were just excited to be out there with other people running and pushing themselves because you just push yourself harder when you're with other people. Sorry, I totally took over your conversation. No, you didn't. No, I think it's absolutely, <laughs> that's the truth. I mean, that's what's so hard about all of this, or I mean, a, a big slice of why it is so hard is so many of us are runners because we go to a race and it feels like a party, right? It's our mm -hmm. people, it's the, like, it's the right energy, yeah. it's people that, you know, probably have similar goals, you know, the sun is shining, you are pushed a little bit harder, like there's just, something that is so lovely that until you've been in the middle of it and, and experienced and had a good race, right? You're trained, you're ready for it, you know, and that being yanked away is, is really hard, you know, for obviously the right reasons, but it is, 
that is, I mean, community is a huge reason why a lot of us are runners, as, as I think we all know. So, um, so well, let's, let's go into some specifics because you talk about everything looking different, right? So I'd like you both to kind of answer these questions because you probably have different policies and perspectives. So first of all, communication prior to a race. Karen, how much, like, are you sending four or five more emails and how many questions are you answering? Like, is it just nonstop? You know, it's nonstop, but I post on Facebook, I send emails, but then I feel like nobody reads the emails. Yes. <laughs> so I, I send them more and more and more. Um, I probably send the week before I send at least three. And my biggest one that I'll send is if you have any symptoms, if you aren't feeling good, I just roll them to the next, a different race, or I will roll them to the next year. We actually had at my last race, 10 people say, Hey, you know what? We don't feel good. We don't feel comfortable coming. Can you just roll us over or switch us to virtual? We don't want to get anybody else sick. Nice. That has been the biggest thing is that, especially in South Dakota, so we had no shutdown. We had no rules. Like South Dakota has been all over the news. There were no restrictions. Yeah, you and your motorcycle rallies, right? (laughs) Go ahead and read that Rolling Stones article that just came out today. Oh, Um, I haven't read that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, We didn't have any restrictions. As a state, um, all the decisions for all the races to be canceled were done on like the local level. Like we, I worked really close with our city and we just, even with our last city meeting, we had to have like, um, I'm drawing a blank of who was in charge of like the medical stuff, drawing a blank, make sure he take that out. Um, (laughs) But we had, just to talk about all of our COVID restrictions, that's one thing we did have to have. We had to have a COVID plan. You know, our inclement weather plan, our volunteer plan, we had to have a COVID plan this year. And they really were just like, we're going to trust you. We're going to think that you're going to make the best decision because they they just know that we want to have in-person races and we want to do what's best for our runners and our community. Sure, sure. Do you have a similar um, thing out there, John, with like, if you don't feel well, you can roll it over or um, or transfer it or something like that? Uh, of course, you know, and I think as, as Karen mentioned, the you now you have a COVID plan related to your inclement weather and, and natural disasters and home insecurity. There's all these different factors that go into it. Now, that's another subset. And that never became more important than it did now. But I would actually like to think about the silver lining of the COVID plan that that I find to be fascinating in my world. And, um, and I have a couple of real world examples of that. Sure. Is that the COVID plan, if someone doesn't feel good, yeah, you transfer to virtual or you, you defer to another event. I would much rather have you not come. And I think Karen would say that then and then be a super spreader and, and, and negatively impact the event and our business and, and, and the industry at large. Um, but you know, early on when we started producing events at, at a more scalable level, we would have people say, you know, and, and going into the fall when the fall spike happened around the holiday season, Thanksgiving, and more people were exposed, had close exposures and had to quarantine. And and we respected that 100 percent. There's no sorry. There's no refunds, you know, mm-hmm. no refunds, no, no transfers. Sorry for your bad luck. That's the old road race model. And the new road race model is, and it should have been this way the whole time, customers mm-hmm. first every time. That's how it should be. 
And sorry, you know, your your son just made the championship game of his soccer team or your daughter made a softball tournament and you can't make it, but you signed up. You know what? We'll take care of you. No problem. And or I just got COVID. God forbid. I hope you're OK. I hope your loved ones are OK. In reality, this is how the refund policy should be across mm-hmm. the board. And that's Great. what we had, that's what we adopted and, and we have a, a refund policy that is you tell us that you can't be there. You can get your money transferred forward. You can move to virtual. Your money is good with us. We want you to hit that finish line, whether it be in person or virtual. And we want to give you the best experience possible because in years past, and again, this is the silver lining when it was that 14% or 12% no show rate, which mm-hmm. we'd always have. And would yeah. bake that into the medals, would bake that into the T-shirt order. And, and now, but that 12 or 14% no-show rate, they were a forgotten customer. They paid, never showed up, probably will never come back. But now that 12 or 14% no-show rate is ultimately going to become virtual, come run with us again. And we might get them back as a return customer and ultimately be happier and healthier for it. So I think this COVID policies, as Karen is doing really well out in, in South Dakota and, and we've done here, is actually an opportunity for us to engage our consumer for whatever their life reason is why they can't make it in the event. And you know what? Come back and run with us again. Sure, sure. I like it. I like it. Okay. Uh, what does bib, pick, bib, bib pickup look like, John? Is that just like, because I don't feel like expos are really going the way that they used to, right? I mean, is that, that hopefully that's not a naive statement. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, again, you might be looking at different sports, right? You're looking at major league baseball versus um, minor league versus pop, you know, versus little league, sure. right? Um, there's different variations of what an expo looks like. And, and if you ever have gone to the Boston Marathon at the Heinz Convention Center, or you've gone to you know, um, the Gavit Center for the New York City Marathon, that looks vastly different than a local bib number pickup at a 5K um, that might be on-site only. So um, I think, you know, we followed other guidance based on, you know, uh, retail guidance. You mm-hmm. need six feet social distancing, so we'll put markers out every six feet for you to pick up your bib number. And I think this is just smart. You're, you're using other adaptions um, based on, you know, really smart mass guidelines, social distancing guidelines. And if, if you keep that throughout the entire event, I, I think most most everybody can adapt to those environments because you're seeing it when you check out at your local grocery store and sure, you're seeing sure. it when you check out at Lowe's or Home Depot. So all those sort of things work. Um, and as Karen said, as long as people are healthy and smart and considerate, um, all those adaptions can work throughout the entire uh, process of a running event, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and so John, talk a little bit about your starting line because I've seen your videos. You have um, uh, what is it? A staggered start? Is that the correct word? Or how do you talk about how you send runners off? Sure. I mean, and I alluded to this before. We um, to make events happen and, and create guidance for the state of New Hampshire, which ultimately, um, if it's created from the state, each individual municipality. And Karen mentioned this, you know, she's dealing with her local municipal leader on that, whether it be a mayor, health department, fire department, what have you. Um, Each one of those municipal leaders are going to kind of uh, trickle up to say, well, what guidance exists from our state? 
Um, and in our case, the state had guidance about it that we helped uh, write. But the first thing was, there's no such thing as a mass start. And in my opinion, that, that the start is the critical mass of the entire event, whether it be the Boston Marathon or your local 5K, everybody gathers in this chute as tight as possible. Yep. <laughs> the gun goes off. And, and this is this is based on history of running, right? You think back to the Boston Marathon 20, 25 years ago, there was no chip timing. You ran four hours for the Boston Marathon, but it took you an hour to get over the starting line. And your official results say four hours, but you say, well, on my Timex, I had three hours because it took me an hour to get over the starting line and no one captured that information. So we're sort of at the advantage of technology these days sure. um, and have been for a little while. And we just need to adapt the technology to the format. And something called the time trial start is not unique to sport. You think of Nordic skiing, cross country, I mean, uh, time trials in the, in the Tour de France. These exist um, at a very high level. Um, split timing exists in, in NASCAR. Every car has a transponder on it. They're getting laps every time they go. So the technology exists to do it well. You just have to adapt it to a mass participatory sport. Um, in, in our case, we decided to write guidance saying that the, that the mass start was not permitted until we get to a point where... Um, you know, our communities and our society thinks that it's okay to have a concert in a mosh pit and you know, all the fun, like dance in a club and have a good time. Um, so, but until then we, we came up with uh, adapting things from like the Tour de France, a time trial start. So we've uh, basically uh, beta tested that at a very small level at less than a hundred people at a starting line and then became a scalable model over the course of time. So to have a thousand person event that used to take three minutes to start everybody now takes three hours, but effectively the first person that starts came, ran, finished, went home, maybe even had a beer, went home before half the people even arrived to site. So the analogy I use there, uh, uh, Dimity is, is more related to a restaurant. If my favorite restaurant, which I love the copper door down the street. It's a great restaurant, great people, um, great service. If they can serve 500 meals in a night, they don't serve 500 meals at the same time. Same time, yeah. They flip the table every hour, hour and a half. And, and that's essentially what we've done with that's our time trial start format. Yeah, and just to be clear, just so in case you're wondering how that works, and please correct me if I'm wrong, John, but you ask time, uh, runners when they register, what their anticipated time is, right? So if I'm a 5K runner and I know that I can run about, say, half an hour for a 5K, you're gonna seed me around other people that are, or you're gonna put my time around, my starting time around other people that are about half an hour. So I'm not gonna be passed by a ton of people, a ton of speedy people whipping by me, nor am I gonna do the same thing to people who might be running a 45 minute 5K, right? Exactly, so it's seated fastest to slowest. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea is to mitigate uh, any passing or, or, or critical mass at any one point. So if we mitigate that at the start and we keep that going along the course, uh, my wife who ran our New England half marathon back in October, and was the second female that finished overall. She ran 116.39, I think, wow. for the half marathon. Yeah, she's pretty. She, she is. She's she's a speedy mom. Yes, she um, is. 
And uh, she she was passed, by, or I'm sorry, she passed one person over 13.1 miles. Wow. So, um, so it works when people put in the right numbers, right? It, it when- does. And, and, and you know what? It, and even if it doesn't, even if it's off by a little bit, because I think as the more experienced runners, they say they are going to run, you know, 457 per mile. They're pretty accurate. Sure. Um, as you go back to a more novice or beginner, they're going to do round numbers. They're going to say, I'm going to run 12 minutes a mile. Well, there's a lot of 12 minutes per mile people. Um, so the nuance of that is pretty different. However, they sort of all just stay the same amount of heart. They don't have a lot of change in that. Um, sure. So we found it to be uh, a safe model uh, where you know people feel safe and they are safe. And the proof is in the pudding after over 12,000 people have run our events since since June 2020. Nice. And with, without incident. So nice. I guess the proof is in the pudding there. Whatever your reason for running indoors, whether parenting duties, safety, or convenience, you owe it to yourself to get a Nordic Track treadmill with iFit Interactive Connected Technology. It's a game changer. With a huge touchscreen, iFit transports you to an energetic studio workout class or stunning locations filmed in more than 40 countries across all seven continents. iFit offers up thousands of on-demand workouts from walking and hiking excursions up to speed building intervals and everything in between. There are even yoga boot camp and cross training sessions that will have you hopping off the treadmill. As I await delivery of my Nordic Track treadmill with iFit technology, I'm living vicariously through other mother runners who are already putting in miles on theirs, like Pam Harris, who was a guest on last week's show. Pam wrote in an email, I love using the iFit workouts on my Nordic Track treadmill to travel out of my house. I'm a beach girl stuck far from the ocean, so my favorite runs always involve the water, like today's four-miler along the coast of Santa Cruz, California. I also enjoy walking and hiking tours that take me to faraway locales. I've been traversing New England with trainers Jed Brophy and Graham McTavish, and I adore both the scenery and the guy's banter. Working from home, I sweet-talk my dad into making me a treadmill desk, and I walk and work for an hour or so several days a week. As Pam details, the possibilities on a Nordic track are endless. To see what she and I are talking about, head to nordictrack.com. That's N-O-R-D-I-C-T-R-A-C-K.com. See where you can go with Nordic Track Treadmill with iFit. Well, so Karen, what about your starts? Like your 50K, is that because I imagine that wasn't a very big field, um, given that it was Um, a 50K? Actually, so funny. That was, first of all, he and I... Our lives are totally different. (laughs) Races are so small compared to yours. Um, Our 50K, it's a 50K, 30K, 20K. And um, we actually had to cut registration off for that because it was one of the only ultras in the area. We actually had people from out of state fly in actually quite a few um, because we were were able to have live races. Um, So we actually capped our numbers. I think we we closed registration at, um, we had just over 150 between the three races, I believe. Um, and we just started, everybody spaced out. They wore their masks. When they came into the aid stations, we had them pull their buffs up, um, all prepackaged food. Usually we have, it's a party. We have beer, we have homemade pizzas. We have everything at the finish at our aid station, we have homemade cookies. We have everything. We had nothing this year. It was the saddest aid station I'd ever been at <laughs> in my entire life. Um, but we promise next year that it will come back in some capacity. 
Ultra runners are super gross sometimes. I mean, we eat off the floor. We eat dirt pretty much some days. So maybe we were being a little bit more healthy having prepackaged items. And But I also felt like we were kind of killing the earth with like all the plastic, all the all wrappers, plastic, everything sure. else. Yeah. So, so um, Karen, Karen, I have a question for you, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for, for these athletes that participate in this event, um, I think they were just I'm, – I'm wondering – because my experience is, were they just happy to be there no matter what you gave them? Oh my God, yes, yes. And actually, it's it's kind of ironic. We did have we had our aid station with just like some some basic easy food and some hot food because it was 18 degrees at the start and pretty much stayed cold the whole day. So we did have some hot and some coffee. We actually encouraged runners to park in a parking lot and do a lot of self aid where ultra runners are very used to that, just having drop bags. And a lot of them actually never used our aid station and just had their car with whatever aid they needed, but nobody cared. And we did have beer at the finish. Um, it just wasn't like kegs like usual. We just had a ton of cans of beer. Um, grab and grab and go. Grab just and go. Home. Just yep. don't or drive home. Just don't drive home. Right. What we did notice, and I even noticed it this weekend, is runners were creatures of habit. Like if you, like you have your best running friend, your BR, your um, BRF. That's what people hung out with. When they finished their race, they hung in their pod of people, their pod of people that they felt comfortable with. And especially these smaller runners, these smaller races, you know, 10 guys that hang out and run together, they all kind of sat in their circle. They've already been around each other. They've already been exposed. So they feel comfortable around that group of people. I really noticed everybody just kind of naturally like spaced themselves out. Even at my race, I had this last weekend. I said, got everybody to the start line. Everybody kind of just naturally spaced themselves out kind of six feet apart, had their masks on. Maybe by the last race of the day, people kind of eased up a little bit, probably because they'd been drinking. Um, but I mean, you really see people here in South Dakota, even with no rules, they're very conscious of all the other people. Um, we have a lot of medical workers. We have a lot of teachers. Like nobody wants to get anybody else sick. Sure. So, I mean, it's just kind of natural here. Like we try and space out. We try and do the best that we can. Yeah. Well, and I think, Karen, I would uh, allude to that is that I think runners are healthy, conscious people mm -hmm. anyway. And um, what used to be the two-foot personal bubble or three-foot personal bubble is now six-foot personal bubble. So I think everybody's sort of respecting each other's space and respect their athleticism, respect their health. And um, we're finding the same thing, whether we enforce it or not, people tend to, to give way a little bit. And you know what? And that's, that might be a good thing because I probably never want to yeah. go to a yoga class with 40 people in a room that should only have 20 people ever again. I, know, I think we'll have new, uh, new perspectives on personal space after this. It's definitely yeah. going to be an adjustment back to a little bit smaller personal bubble. Yeah. Close talkers are not good anymore. <laughs> close no, talkers. No. Are, <laughs> they're not going to be around anymore. It's not going to be a thing. Um, so, John, what do you do at the end of the race with like awards or participation medals? Are you giving those out? Are you sending them? What do you do? I'm... Oh, sure. I mean, these are all things we have to adapt and, and we hope we adapt and change as, as they go. I mean, when we first started with uh, our some of our very first races, all the aid stations, for instance, getting back to adapting to this, yeah. were like a closed water bottle, one on a table. You pick it up and you go and we lice all the table. Um, it was extreme in its, in its thing. And, but as we've become more accustomed to this new world and figure out where the risks are, where they are not, we start to adapt and change on that. So um, when we first started with our events, it was 
grab and go items, you know, one water, one Powerade, one banana, you take it and you go, or is prepackaged in a, in, in a, in a bag and it's on the table and you take it and the volunteers are behind a, a, a sheet. Um, it doesn't have to be like that as much. I think we've learned a little bit about it. We've learned sure. a little bit about the virus. We've learned a little bit about the mm-hmm. risk factors that exist. Um, and if I can go to the grocery store and and check out and come home with a grocery store and, and I haven't received COVID or, or contracted COVID from that, I can go and pick up a couple items at the end of my race and, and, and move on. Um, we do have mask mandates currently and, and probably will for a little bit. Um, but you know what? All our volunteers should be wearing gloves, right? That's a good <laughs> anyway, thing, right? You yes, know, yes. Um, we, we should be healthy and responsible. So uh, at present, and and as we've gone, most of our things are to, to Karen's point are grab and go items. We haven't brought back the pizza vendor. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had beer. It's been uh, you know a can rather than poured out of the tap. Um, just seems a little bit smarter to do that. Um, so you know we hope we can get back to some more party-like environments because many event people around the, around the country, we say we produce events, not road races. The running is only part of it. It's the camaraderie. It's yep. the fun. So in reality, we want to get back to the events. At current, we produce, we've been producing running events. We want to produce full events. That's, as soon that's as we a- can. That's a really uh, good description. I think that that makes a lot of sense because a lot of the reason I know that I run um, or do events is because I like to stand around afterwards and hear about everybody else's, right? And tell my own stories about the mile at Hill or the, the Hill at mile 11 or whatever it happens to be, right? Like that's that's half the ba- half the battle and half the fun is sharing the stories and sharing the experience. So yeah, we got to have a space where you can do that. It sounds like, you know, Karen with her people sitting around afterwards, I mean, you don't, uh, at this point, do you feel like you have to shuttle people off and, and send them home right away? Or or is that a, a choice that they get to make on their own? Um, well, at our ultra, we kind of we encouraged them to shuttle off, but everybody just stuck around. And at my St. Patrick's Day race we just did, it was at a bar. So, oh. you know, people would just go in and hang out when they were done. And our mask mandate actually got dropped on Saturday, the day of the race. But still, I would say 90 Five percent of the people had masks on at the start and between the races in the bar when they got up from their table and walked around. Nice, nice. Same so, with you, John. I mean, are they are they hanging out after races, or do you anticipate that happening more and more? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a crystal ball for that sort of stuff, but um, I do know our community is, you know, feeling a little bit more comfortable um, as more people get vaccinated um, and the numbers go down on the media side of it, what's reported. Um, that's that's all positive from an optics perspective. Um, and, and that's great for the for the consumer confidence. Yeah. Um, but we also need to be vigilant, uh, vil- uh, vigilant and Vigilance. make sure that, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Vigilant, vigilant. Vigilant. I was just trying to we, help you. I wasn't correcting yeah, you, I was helping you. Appreciate it. We need to be vigilant in making sure that our community continues to be safe. So. And I said this before, our runners themselves are healthy, conscious people, and and they're going to do everything they can to continue to do this because they value the sport so much. They don't want it to go backwards at all. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, so here's here's the final question for each of you guys. Are you, um, either of you, going to participate in an event this summer? John, are you going to run something yourself, or are you just going to be the magician behind the, the wall? Well, good question. So I got to run my first race um, that we produced yesterday. Um, we had oh, okay. iFit by Nordic Track. Anybody has a Nordic Track treadmill? Um, yeah. I, iFit came to one of our Millennium Running races uh uh, over the weekend and they broadcast the event live with all their data. Um, and so I got to go and run the event on my Nordic track treadmill the day after the event happened. So I was the race director one day and then the next day I was running my own event. And right now I'm number one in the leaderboard. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. Oh, sweet. Nice. Well, we actually, we, um, we actually work with Nordic track. What is the name of the event? Cause in case someone's listening and wants to try well, to, you know, take so you down. Yes. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> Go for it. I, I am older now, so, uh, you know, they should do it. Um, so it's, uh, I fit is the, is the interactive side of Nordic track. So it's the St. Patty's 5k, Saint Patty's uh, 5K. On, on Nordic track just got released yesterday. So maybe I was the leaderboard because it just got released and I was an early adopter. That could be it. No, so, no, dude. You, it's cause you're amazing. That's why <laughs> first is first. We'll take it. You so know? Someone yeah. tell my wife first. that. Can, yeah. Karen, yeah. can you talk to my, can you talk to my wife? I will. Helpful. I'll tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, Karen? Do you have any plans for racing yourself this summer or I spring? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, I am actually signing up for 50 K in April in Zumbro, Minnesota. If that permits come through and everything else. And then, um, my friend owns an organic vegetable farm here in South Dakota, and I signed up for a 36-hour race. Oh, wow. So Karen's so, going to run for a long, long time. Yeah. Hey, I, might even, yeah I might nap, too. <laughs> yeah, Karen, if, if you want to come to run the Clearwater 50K, it's one of our events in Clearwater, Florida. You could use some beach time after living in Sioux Falls for right? so long. Get some yes. little beach time. It's America's number one beach. I'll give you a comp entry. You can come down and run the 50K in Clearwater. I could do that. That sounds actually very nice looking outside at the snow coming down. So you might, you might, uh, fair warning, you might melt though. Like it could be great. <laughs> <laughs> what, what time of year is that Clearwater Ultra, John? Well, ultimately the, the Clearwater Running Festival is in the end, end of January. And because of the, the um, restrictions in Florida um, this past year, uh, we worked with the municipality to ultimately postpone it to uh, the third weekend in April this year. So it might okay. be a little bit warm for an ultra and a marathon. It could be toasty. Um, but also there's a half if you want to pull the ripcord and just come in and get the beer when you're done. That might be better. <laughs> beer in the beach. That sounds great. Right? Let's go. Um, I sound like a total mom and pop compared to you. Thanks a lot, man. No, I'm so, I, no, no, no. no you don't. I, you am, know I, I am the pop. I don't know. I'm the pop. I don't know. It just, mine's just such a different, like, South Dakota, like, I mean, we have 200,000 people in Sioux Falls, and that's, I know almost all the runners when they cross the finish line. Like, I know their names. Like, I yell it out when they come. So, like, totally different, like, dynamic. You guys are way bigger than us, but. It's okay. We didn't touch. We didn't touch on this at all, Karen. But um, when in the old world of like a two thousand, three thousand, five thousand person race, or even a five hundred person race, when they all queue up at the starting line, um, the gun goes off, the national anthem goes off. I give them a like, "You got this. Let's do it." The 
jump around comes on or whatever song, you know, <laughs> shipping, shipping off to Boston comes on for the Irish race. I don't know if you know that song by dropkick oh, yeah. Murphy's right. Just Everybody's played it last that. weekend. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like it's the go-to Irish song. They all run, they all go. Um, in the format we now have where we announce everybody or like, as they start, we announce everybody. And I, uh, is it Le- Lechen- Le- Lechenberg? Lechtenberg? Yeah. Lechtenberg. So I'd be like, so, and I've done the PA many times. I'd be like, and from Sioux Falls, it's Karen Lechtenberg. You got this. It's your turn to shine, girl. You got this. Go. We give in like a VIP start to every single person. They probably and love that. You know what? I think, to be honest with you, and we didn't touch on this at all, um, we might keep some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not just going to rush back to it. Um, and, and I think it could be something that is pretty amazing and different. Now, is it scalable to the Boston Marathon with 30,000 people? No, you'd start for a week. But it might be something that is pretty amazing um, to the point where some of our VIP customers, and again, I I know a lot more people now this year because I've announced their name so many times. um, (laughs) And I I have more friends, which is cool, I guess. Um, I was trying to have less friends, but now I have more friends, so it's good. Um, but they've said from the the silver, and I keep going back to these silver linings, right? So cliche, but um, we've had people run faster in some of our events because they don't have to weave through the pack. Yep. They have like this person in front of them that should be just in front of them. It's like, I'm going to catch you. And the person is like, you're not going to catch me. And ultimately all these PRs are happening probably because they're running more during COVID anyway. (laughs) Um, But in reality, like it set them up to succeed in a really cool, like target on your back. I'm going to try to catch you. I'm going to agree with you in the fact that I think there are some things from COVID that I am going to keep. There are some things that I do appreciate. And one of them, don't judge me. I'm mailing awards out instead of having like a big ceremony at the end. Totally. Totally. Because some of my people to wait around for 50K to get done for a 20K, 30K, everybody has to sit around and wait all day. Well, if you have all your kids with you, if you're hungry, if you have things to do, I just mail them out. It's fine. I'll do something big, post something on Facebook, but people actually enjoy the mailing out of the awards. They get Much it later. It's, it's a deliverable. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. Seriously. Perfect way to end silver lining a hundred percent. Right. Absolutely. Nice. All right. Thank, take care you guys. Good luck with everything and have a great summer. Okay. Thanks. Thank you so much. Pleasure for being here. Thanks.